Welcome to Curiosity. So today, we're going to do the promised episode that we had from our very first episode. We kept our promise. We kept our promise. So Sebastian, what are we doing today? Uh, we are um, we're solving Interstellar. Interstellar. Yeah, I, I don't know if... Uh, I know we've, we've seen it, and uh, the millions around have seen it, but did they get it? Well, I surely did not. I didn't... I didn't fully understand it the first time i mean let's be honest I, you know everyone i've actually asked around for this podcast I'm like hey did you guys get interstellar and people were kind of like yeah 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 I, I got it i got it i'm like really and i thought we need to like bring in someone that might know a little bit about well physics because yeah, uh, that's not we admitted us. already that we both kind of like we're okay exactly yeah but nothing but not enough great not enough so uh yeah so i went around asking uh, the uh, the physics department, and I found a guy, uh, David Sean, and I thought he'd be great. And I asked him, and he, and he looked at me straight in the eye. And he said, "No, but I've got a guy. <laughs> I've got the guy." And and we found him, and he's here, and he came halfway around the uh, the world just for us. That's right, <laughs> all the way from Montreal. <laughs> but um, you did do your uh, your PhD out in Australia. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I we did. have uh, we have uh, Francis Torres with us. Uh, he did his PhD uh, in Australia, the University of uh, Western Australia, right? And he's currently a teacher at uh, Ecole Polytechnique in Montreal doing uh, electricity and magic. Correct. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> that sounds scientific. It's so scientific, it's, I'm sure. Yeah. It's magnetism, right? Which is short for magic or the other way around. Okay, oh, for sure. Yeah. And so, we, uh, yeah. we all share a, a common competition, uh, which yes. I thought was an interesting way of... Uh, uh, I kind of knew you were cool when, uh, <laughs> when we heard you yeah. did this. Uh, we all did the three-minute thesis. The three-minute thesis, yeah. Um, it originated in Australia. Uh, which is kind of cool, and, and uh-huh. you know, I'm mm. sure that you actually did it before we did because uh, 2011. Uh, yeah, yes. I wasn't even doing my master's at that time, okay. so yeah, yeah, it, it started in Australia. And I don't even remember what I did in 2011. Mm. Uh, yeah. so yeah, so the show, the Interstellar. Show. Um, Interstellar. we're gonna start off a bit of the basics, right? Because jumping into Interstellar and and solving the the, the mysteries of of everything they kind of covered is far too big a task if we just don't go with the basics first. Oh, for sure. So we're going to go over uh, like we're going to go over gravity, relativity, and a couple other topics just to allow you to, to grasp kind of what a black hole is. Yeah, what's a black hole, uh, orbits, uh, time dilation. Oh god, the fun. Oh, we're going to have so much fun. I can't okay. wait to hear it. <laughs> you can <laughs> hear it. <laughs> oh god. All right. All right. So I figured we'd start off with gravity. Sure, yeah. Um so gravity is one of the four fundamental forces. Okay. Uh there is uh, electromagnetic force, mm-hmm. a strong nuclear force, a weak nuclear force, and gravity itself. Cool. Uh so the electromagnetic force is actually what's used for uh, interactions between electri- electrically charged par- particles. Uh, and it actually allows for bonding okay. as well as interactions between molecules. Okay. So any basically the world is surrounded by chemistry, okay. and chemistry can only exist because... You would say that as a chemist. I know, right? Biased bastard. There's a joke there, but we'll... <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's because of this uh, electromagnetic force that uh, we're able to have bonding in chemicals and interactions between chemicals as well. Okay. As well as radio signals and communications, light, I mean... Yeah, it, it's the the whole range of, of waves as well. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we have strong nuclear forces. Kay. And these are the ones that actually hold nuclei together. So yeah. there's atoms. Mm-hmm. And within the atoms, there are the nuclei, the neutrons, protons, electrons. Mm-hmm. And it's these strong nuclear forces that allow for that core to be together. Okay. Uh, next one's weak nuclear. Uh, and it's, it's one of these ones that's a little bit hard to describe because mm-hmm. we're trying to keep this kind of above board for non-physicists. Yeah. Basically, neutrons, 
protons and electrons are made of smaller parts. And what this weak, weak nuclear force does is allows for the decay of those so that they can transform into other uh, other types. So a neutron can turn into a proton, an electron. Right. So you're, you're talking about quarks as the, uh, you could say, the ingredients that make neutrons and protons and, uh, and these other uh, things. But the switching from a neutron to a proton through this beta decay, say, is, uh, is actually a a changing of the flavor of the quarks without getting into the quarks, the really quirky... A flavor of the Flavor quarks. of the quarks, right? And okay. they, they named those flavors uh, up, down, uh, strange, um, strange... What's the other one? Uh, strangeness, charm. Charm. <laughs> strangeness, <laughs> charm, and, and what? there was actually... Uh, what was it? Iso... There was... Spin? Who? Yeah, iso spin. Who gets to name these? <laughs> well, probably... Sounds like a video game. What I heard is uh, the people that came up with the theory of the quarks... Right. Didn't take it very seriously at that time. Love they didn't it. Think it was <laughs> Love it. Go. Yeah, it's just wonderful. So it's an accident yeah. of uh, making a theory and they're oh, we need No names. one's going to take this seriously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, whoops. <laughs> yeah. Crap. No, okay. for sure. The last one we have is gravity. And unlike the other three, they are the ones that are responsible for the shapes of things. So the formations, shapes, and trajectories of orbits that uh, Sebastian is going to talk about in, in a couple minutes. Uh, and it's responsible for uh, asteroid asteroids comets planets stars pretty much everything can be described um at first by gravity uh, we'll talk about relativity li- relativity a little bit later um mm-hmm. and that's another francis another will talk about relativity yeah thank, thank god. god copy that <laughs> um <laughs> so isaac newton said that i deduce that the force which keeps the planets in orbits must be reciprocal as to the square of the distances from the center about which they revolve that sounds like something he'd say i know mm. and thereby compare the force uh, requisite to keep the moon in her orbit with a force of gravity at the surface of the earth and found them uh, answer pretty nearly okay. uh, which means really nothing to me uh, <laughs> oh, but let me jump in there because yeah, that's okay. a, a really beautiful part of physics he um what he did you had something called celestial mechanics which was talking about how planets orbit around the sun mm-hmm. how things moved in the celestial world right and what newton did is he unified the gravity phenomenon observed on earth the apple falling from the tree mm. to how things revolve around larger objects in space. So it was really a giant leap in thinking. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. It's, and it's a revolution. And whenever I think of, of gravity, I think of um, his uh, Newton's second law, mm. which is the force is equal to the mass times the acceleration. Uh, and with within Earth, we have a particular acceleration because Earth is a certain size. Right. So when we think of um, F is equal to mg, the the value for g is 9.8 right and that's oh, based on the actual 9.8 squared no a uh, 9.8 meters per second meters squared. per second squared well, there you go. Okay. acceleration units right. yeah uh, thank you for that <laughs> but this is because of the actual size of the earth okay i'd say density um and so okay if the earth was the same size but it was hollow right it wouldn't okay you wouldn't, wouldn't have the same gravity it's really quantity of mass within a certain volume so cool. density okay. Okay, mm. um, so it's a density, and uh, that that value is actually within the same kind of uh, the same equation that Newton uses for celestial bodies. Cool. It's just the the actual unit, or sorry, the uh, the constant okay. is a constant that is used just for the Earth. Okay, um, right. Based on its density and based on its size. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, and that's and that's gravity in in a nutshell. Cool. Uh, yeah, in a I nutshell, d- yeah. In a nutshell. I mean, we can talk about gravity in, in forever, forever. But we have more to talk um, about. 
but I'm, I'm trying to figure out how it has anything to do with orbits. Right. So I'm going to keep going with Isaac Newton. He proposed he wasn't the first to discover orbits in a sense. Uh, however, he did present a thought experiment that made everything make sense. So I'm going to I'm going to give you now the thought experiment. Let's say you're standing and in your left hand you have a gun. Okay, let's say it's, uh, let's say, uh, you know, uh, the Magnum, right? You gotta have the Magnum. You gotta have the Magnum. Or the Golden Gun. Sure, the Golden Gun. I like that, too. And in the right hand, you have just the bullet. Can it be a water gun? If you, no. Okay. (laughs) You're ruining my thought experiment. So, left hand, Magnum. Right hand, just the bullet. Okay. Let's say you were to shoot and drop the bullet at the exact same time. What would hit the ground first? Uh, both at the same time, Shut according up. to this sorry, is sorry. a rhetorical uh, question. Let's go with the one that's not being shot out In, of the gun. Intuitively, people would probably think the right one that you're just dropping on the floor. But the answer is, as as Francis alluded Ruined to, it. Spoiler it ru- alert. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> uh, is that they actually hit the ground at the same time. And that's because they're both falling at the exact same rate. Gravity is the same for both. Yeah. Um, so then he kind of went a little further and he said, well, what if that speed of the bullet I'm shooting was so fast that it was continuing along the surface of the Earth as the Earth was, um, as its inclination was kind of going down? Because it's a sphere, right? So what happens if the, if the bullet just kept falling and it had nothing to fall onto, hmm. right? So it would kind of perpetually go. And until it, it, it would actually never hit the ground until it would just keep going in a circle around the earth because there's, there's, no, there's no land to hit. Yeah. And so that's when he came up with the idea that, well, when it comes to orbits, there, for instance, a satellite, the satellite is actually constantly falling. Hmm. It just has nothing to hit. And the speed that it actually requires, so you're kind of like, well, how fast does that bullet have to go? Well, the speed is roughly about uh, 17,672 miles per hour. Is that uh, near the exit velocity? Yeah, so has, you're... It's somewhere around so, there, isn't it? So, yeah, so you're, there's, there's a lot of speeds that can happen, Faster right? Faster so than the exit velocity. Um, the exit velocity is just going straight up. Okay. Right? So how fast do you have to go straight up to escape the gravitational pull? Right. Whereas uh, an orbit, you actually have to be going faster. Okay, because I was under the impression that the the the, velo- the exit velocity was that at which you would then just uh, you would break free from that gravitational it, yes. stronghold yeah. and then fly into space into yep. the middle of nowhere or drift. Yeah. yeah, so it would have to be slightly less than that, wouldn't it? No, no, because if you're in orbit, you're um, think about it this way: uh, you want to be not falling on the ground, right? You can either shoot your rocket so that you go upwards, okay, or you're going just parallel to the ground okay right so which one is more uh, efficient or uh, seems like it's going to be less work are you going to be shooting straight into space or tangent you know uh, tangentially yeah tangentially uh, yeah good word yeah yeah so okay. cool you have to be going faster to stay in orbit especially really close to to the earth okay so yeah so it takes a very specific speed at which you're you're orbiting the earth because if you go too slow then gravity wins and you just start crashing into the atmosphere. If you go too fast, as we were saying after, uh, before, you will eventually break free from from the orbital gravity or the centripetal force, uh, and you'll just you know you'll you'll kind of just I don't know float into the middle. Get into a higher orbit. Yeah, you'll yeah, yeah. yeah. oh higher orbit and then eventually 
You'd if you if you were to keep increasing your speed, yeah. exactly, yeah. So um, so that was kind of his proposition, but he wasn't the first to come up with with orbits, and the first to do that. Um, well, actually, the first to unsuccessfully do that because I thought it was really interesting was Copernicus. He huh. he came up with you know the whole heliocentric theory. So this the the sun is the center of of everything, and he made uh, three little rules. So he he first said that the planets that orbit are in a perfect circle. Okay. He then said that the sun is at the center of that orbit. And then he said that the speed of the planet in orbit is always constant, that it's never accelerating or decelerating. Hmm. So he was wrong on all three accounts. Poor, yeah. poor guy. He was a smart guy. Don't get me wrong. He, I mean, he was wrong in a sense. Uh, he is right, technically, if all the parameters are, are perfect. Uh, but it just doesn't happen that often uh, as we see it. Then Kepler came along. Uh, Johann Kepler. And he actually corrected all three laws Rukas had, had initially made. And so his first rule uh, took out the circle completely. He said that orbits of a planet are in an ellipse. And so if you don't quite know what the shape of an ellipse is, uh, it kinda, it's, it's like a circle, but squished or elongated. Uh, in fact, if you're, if you're in front of your desk right now or whatever, and you've got a keyboard in front of you, so the, the, the O is rather circular, but if you look at zero on your keyboard, that's actually the shape we're looking at. It's kind of stretched, right? And uh, and I know that Francis was telling us earlier that it's also kind of a, a circle with two centers is also mm. a good way of, of thinking about it. Yeah, two, two foci. foci. Yeah. Uh, that's right. There we right, go. Right, yeah. Uh, do you want to just talk about foci? I mean... Sure. Um, in the case of the planets in our solar system, uh, I'd say Copernicus should be given some credit because the ellipses are very close to very nice circles. Right. right? So mm -hmm. those focal points wouldn't be that far off. Right. But an ellipse, like a, the general case of an ellipse, is just it's it's as though you're taking a circle and you're stretching it out. So even the center point splits into two. Right. And those are the focal points. And right. from those, uh, you get the formulas with semi-major axis, semi-minor, we don't need to go Okay, you've already lost this. Oh, that just sounds... Yeah. Uh, like Sorry. I'm going to keep going. I've go. done my fair share of... of I'm not going to say terrible math, but terrible math, that that scares the hell out okay. of me. Okay, <laughs> sorry. Um, okay, so Kepler's... It's equivalent to the radius of a circle, but okay. defined for an ellipse using okay. those focal points. Cool. Okay. Uh, and so now... Okay, so now I'm, gonna, I'm, a, I'm going to attempt to explain Kepler's second law. Uh, this is going to take some visualization, guys, so... If you're at your desk, close your eyes. Uh, if you're driving, don't do it. Just pay attention. Listen to the sweet sound. Listen to the sound voice. of my voice. I can't do that, Dave. Um, so the second law states that for any two positions of the planet along the orbit that are separated by the same amount of time, the area swept out in this manner will be the same. Wow, what does that mean? So it took me some time to kind of think of an analogy here, and, I, and I'm, I'm hoping this is going to work. So I want you to think of a pizza clock. Okay? A pizza clock. A pizza clock. Pizza clock. Yeah. What does that mean? So envision a pizza. Okay? It's rather, in this case, perfectly circular. That's okay. fine. At the, s the circumference or the perimeter of that circle, I want you to envision just a regular clock, 12, 1, 2, 3. So the clock will give you a, a, an indication of position. And the reason I'm adding a pizza in there is because it'll give you uh, an idea of surface area. So how big is my slice versus how big is your slice? Mm. Okay. And so if you were to take uh, the orbit, so going around that pizza clock, at different time intervals between 12 and 1 or 1 and 2 or 4 and 5, 
the amount of time it takes and the distance you travel would be the same. It wouldn't be any different from any hour along that clock. Okay. But in the case of an orbit, it's not circular, right? So it's an ellipse. So now imagine that I'm taking that clock and that pizza and I'm stretching it, okay? And I'm also stretching the focal point. So initially with your, your, your pizza, everyone, you know, they cut every piece evenly from the center. Well, the center isn't the center anymore. So just drop that center lower, mm -hmm. okay? And so now let's say you were to, to cut those slices uh, with a lower center. Uh, you'd realize that every slice isn't the same size anymore, right? From yeah. 12 to 1, 1 to 2, those would be pretty big. And the ones in the 5 to 6 or 7 o'clock would be kind of small and dinky. And they just the surface area wouldn't be the same. So what does that mean in terms of our orbits? Well, as, let's say, for instance, the Earth goes around the Sun, he's implying that the time it takes should make it so that every piece you have is the exact same surface area. Hmm. So as it's going around, what this implies in actual orbits is that you don't have a constant speed, that you actually have to accelerate and decelerate so that the sizes of that surface area remain constant among the whole, let's say, pizza clock. So, so uh, let me tell you, so I'll, I'll kind of visualize it here. Between 12 and 1, okay, you're going to have a slower time frame. So the pizza slice will be thinner, but so very long because the focal point is all the way at the bottom. As you kind of go around, right, let's say 4 or 5 or 6 o'clock, you're going to have an acceleration. So the width of that pizza slice will be much larger, but of course the length would be very short because it's only being uh, matched to the focal point, which is mm -hmm. already the bottom, right? So you have an acceleration as you come towards that focal point, and then a deceleration as you go away from it from 11 to 2 o'clock. So let me see if I understand this yeah. a little I hope bit. Yeah, and I know it's hard to visualize, but I've kind of, yeah. So it's basically you're trying to travel the same, you have the same amount of time to travel a different distance. Exactly. And that's why you have to accelerate and decelerate to be able to travel that because the you got it that's it that's perfect and, and that and that's the whole idea is that right. if you have you know let's say five minutes to travel one kilometer or yeah. five minutes to travel five kilometers your accelerations are going to be wildly different because exactly. you have to get that distance regardless because you have a certain amount of time to do it that's right so um, that's what he's Im he's that's, that's what he's implying with the kind of the surface area but uh that's exactly what it is it's implying that the um the speed at which planets orbit just aren't constant. Hmm. They're accelerating and decelerating all the time. And so then, and then he said his third law. And his third <laughs> law is a bit mathematical, so I'm, I'm going to pass it off to Francis. But the third law states that the square of the orbital period of a planet is proportional to the cube of the semi-major axis of its orbit. That sounds there so crap. <laughs> okay, so simplify that for us, Francis. So in English, what that means is yeah. there is a relationship between the time it takes for a full year, right, uh, for uh, a full circle around the sun for sure. any given planet, and the distance from the sun to that planet, and that's it. Okay. If you have the time it takes for a complete revolution, mm -hmm. you can deduce the distance from the sun and vice versa. So it was really a, a simplified equation to kind of state how long things would take or you can make predictions. Exactly. Okay. If, you, if you were to observe from Earth... A planet, and if you were really good at geometry and, and uh, astronomy, which, which I'm not. some of these people were at the time, yeah, yeah. Um, they had to be. That's the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> What's impressive? We're talking 17th yeah. century, right? Oh, so we're going uh, further back. Yeah. Um, 
Well, if you could observe how long it takes before it gets back to the same position, a year, mm-hmm. or, or that planet's year, then you knew how far it was from the sun. Hmm. So cool. Yeah. That's powerful. Okay. So before we, we move on, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a, a quick fact that I learned because of, of my recent orbiting lectures. The moon does not actually orbit the exact center of the Earth. Huh. Uh, it's called the barycentric coordinate, and it's a point on a line between the center of the Earth and the moon, and that's actually approximately 1,710 kilometers below the surface of the Earth. Hmm. And so it's actually roughly about 4,500 away from the center. So 75%. So it's an off-center orbit. It's an off-center orbit because, yes, the the Earth is obviously, uh, I think it's uh, six times larger than the moon. I think that's approximately. That's about right. About that. Your radius is 6,400 kilometers and the moon is is much smaller than that. Yeah. So so it's a balance between those two large masses. And so it's not, obviously, the Earth is quite significantly larger, uh, but it will be a balance between those two. Hmm. So when orbits were initially introduced, they were introduced as a consequence of, of gravity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then Einstein came around and said, well, not quite. And he introduced his theory of general relativity. Uh, and now that's how we understand orbits a little bit better. Uh, do you want to take this one, Francis? Sure. Um, it's, it's another one of those giant shifts. So we were talking about Newton, how he unified the theory of gravity on Earth and in, in space or in the celestial mechanics. Einstein right out threw out the idea of the force of gravity. He said, no, it's actually not a force. It's a completely different thing. That's one of the things Einstein did. He takes did balls. a lot. He's a busy guy. <laughs> that takes a lot of balls. <laughs> <laughs> so no, gravity is not there. Hey, you know? Shut up. He, he basically said that gravity is um, just a, a consequence of the uh, curving of the universe. What right. does what that the hell does whoa, that mean? Whoa, whoa, man. So whereas you Pass probably grew your whole life thinking about this three-dimensional perfect world where you've got your X, Y, Z coordinates, mm-hmm. right, your yeah. three dimensions, sure. yeah. what Einstein says is, sure, but you can bend those coordinates. And in fact, there's four dimensions, space and time, right? right. time being one of the fourth dimension. And he said, yep, so four, but also it bends when you put mass somewhere it creates a dimple much like a cannonball on a trampoline okay right right. so it bends the fabric and the gravity that you feel here on earth is really just you're standing on the trampoline but the trampoline is at a slope towards the cannonball so you're falling on that slowly okay okay but so under that kind of theory then wouldn't everything eventually be coming closer together i mean isn't there like an attractive force that everything will fall at the bottom of the trampoline (laughs) well (laughs) remember uh you you talked about orbits right right so orbits is is basically how you fight falling into that um that funnel shape created by the cannonball so with some speed you can remain at a certain height above on that funnel okay and that's exactly what uh planets do near the sun or the moon around the the earth or the uh, the satellites so they need to be going at that speed so you were talking about the handgun uh, thought experiment that was pretty good the bullet needs to go that fast to be above the the funnel created by earth and it has to do with the centripetal force as well right yeah it's yeah i do uh, it's uh centrifugal sorry i always gotta mix fugals out centripetals in centrifugal force because as it's traveling, 
uh, it does have a tendency, if you think of uh, a weight on a piece of string and you just right. start rotating it, right. um, it's the force that's pushing it to the outside. Right. And it's a balance, from mm. what I understand, between general like uh, general well, relativity and that. Gravity and, and that force outwards. So um, mg, you were saying, mm-hmm. is equal to mv squared over r. So v, the velocity of that bullet or that uh, mass on the string that you're mm-hmm. spinning, and r, the distance between the center and that object. So g cool. needs to be equal to v squ- v squared over r in mathematical lingo you've, you've lost or me. Uh, no I'm sorry. <laughs> or the, the <laughs> He's force lost of me. gravity has okay. to be equal to the force being pushed out as you're doing okay. the rotation yes um in mathematical terms that sounds way cooler than what okay. i said but the general concept is, is there's a balance uh, okay. at all times whenever there's an orbit and that's why the orbit continues in kind of the same way because it's it's constant it's yeah. maybe going at a changing uh speed okay but it's to do so to maintain the orbit. Okay, so let's mm. let me let me bring it back so very simplify. If I were to ask you in let's say two sentences, what is general relativity, and then how does that compare to special relativity? All right, the famous quote that is in two lines. Okay, John mm-hmm. Wheeler, an astrophysicist, he said, um, "Space tells matter how to move, and matter tells space how to curve, or vice versa." Okay, right? cool. So it, it basically says mass will curve space-time, and that's, that creates the slope that feels like gravity. Okay. And uh, there, when you've got mass around that, it'll follow those dimples and those curved, uh, curved lines. Cool. Curved so there's a, there's a fabric of space. Yeah, there's a fabric, and it's an elastic fabric. Oh. Except it's, it's a really hard concept to kind of wrap your head around, right? Like just yeah. thinking yeah. of empty space as fabric. Think about how... Um, uh, the stiffness of uh, space-time is the really hardest concept to think about. So it's it looks like empty space. Right. right? It's stiffer than diamond. Okay. It's stiffer than the stiffest mm. material you could ever think of. Right. If you look at Einstein's equations, if you look at them, yeah. you'll <laughs> see that it looks a lot like um, the s- the mass and spring uh, system okay. equation. All right. It looks a whole lot like that. And then what um, what passes for a stiffness constant is a gigantic number, much gotcha. bigger than uh, for diamond. Mm. Mm. Cool. So you need a lot of energy and mass to actually bend it. That's why. Uh, and so how does that compare to special relativity then? Okay. Special relativity has to do with um, how fast an observer or a reference frame is moving. Okay. So Einstein said the uh, velocity of speed is, is the constant, right? So that has to always be speed that you measure right no matter how fast you're moving or you're moving or not moving mm-hmm. we have to all agree on how fast light is going okay hmm. and as a consequence of light having to be a fixed value mm-hmm. you see things like time dilation right the faster you go the slower time is going cool. um, a way to understand this is let's say we're on earth now okay? right yep. and we we all have this assignment to read um, the game of thrones book all right. Okay. Let's see who reads it the fastest. Right. So I leave on a I leave with a, with the book in my hand on a spaceship and I travel outwards in space and I go really really fast close to the speed of light. Okay. What will actually happen is years and years will uh, will flow for you. Okay. You'll get you'll have time to read that book a hundred times. Yeah. Right? Okay. And I'll come back minutes later, and I'm I've got chapter one done. Right? Hmm. That is craziness. That is crazy. Oh uh, well. And okay. So this this. This may not be special relativity, but I think of um, satellites. Okay. Uh, satellites. Yeah, that would be general relativity. Right. Okay. So satellites, uh, for those that didn't know this, 
okay, obviously they're orbiting the Earth, uh, but they also have their GPSs, and GPSs, uh, based on time, actually have a different time reference than than those on Earth, and so their clocks actually actually tick at a different rate. Right. And so there's an action. There's an algorithm in all your phones and 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 all the GPSs that um, that take that into account and that remodify time mm. on Earth. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like. You're, if you've got a smartphone, you're basically carrying Einstein in your pocket. That's so cool. amazing. It, it might be an opportunity to try and understand what you're carrying. Or you can just keep using it. Yeah, no one's looking. And wasn't there? It was like there was a ten minute difference, or there was. I remember you saying that there was a certain amount of time <sighs> I, that if there was no correction factor. Right. Oh, so I I recall uh, it wasn't ten minutes, but it was something. If if you didn't. Uh, correct for it after like 24 hours no after a few seconds or a minute or so well sorry so it was if you didn't correct for it after 24 hours your gps positional system would be kilometers and kilometers off mm. oh, wow. because it's, it's a time versus distance thing mm -hmm. so they have to constantly correct for it or else well you'd be using apple maps <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that in. You had, uh, you had to. Yeah. Um, uh, so now that we have a, a general idea of, well, gravity, general relativity, hmm. I think we can try and address uh, black holes. Black holes. Um, because black holes really, they need all of these general principles to be able to address them. Right. Uh, so black hole is basically a very, very dense, a lot of dense mass. Okay. Uh, so that's a lot of mass in a very, very small area. Uh, and because of that, because of the um, shift in the space-time continuum, continuum, no, no, no. no. space-time um, fabric, space-time space fabric. Sure, thank yeah. you. Uh, because it has a large mass and a small volume, it actually brings everything towards it. So much mm -hmm. so that no, no mass and no light can actually get out of it, and it's called a black hole because no light can get out of it. Mm, just imagine your cannonball was way too heavy and just how much that would stretch the fabric of that trampoline right. for a black hole. That, that is the, the heaviest, craziest, stupidest uh, cannonball you've ever seen. And, and the dip goes all the way to the center of the earth. So it's just an, am an amazing uh, funnel shape. That's what the black hole is. Mm -hmm. And all I can think about, sorry, is, uh, is from Futurama. Okay. When the little alien thing, when he when he takes poops and no one could lift it up. I don't know if you guys remember watching. <laughs> no, I don't remember that. <laughs> oh, it is You're hilarious. <laughs> it's like this little little rock that no one can actually physically pick up, and it's because it's of so the density dense. Is, uh, yeah. I like it. That's mm. a, it's a science joke right there. Uh, so obviously the the question is how do black holes arise? How how do they form? And so stars have uh, like a perfect balance of, of opposing forces so they have the the inward pressure of gravity so they're so very large that gravity is so very strong and it's it's constantly trying to collapse the star and then they have an outward pressure that it's emitting uh, that's emitting uh, radiation so so at the core there's millions of of tons of hydrogen that are being converted into helium because there's you know there's fission going on so Obviously, we benefit from that, that the massive amount of energy that are released from the sun every day, uh, especially living on the equator, not in Canada, where we are. Thank you. Hey, it's summer. <laughs> and this process is, is an exothermic reaction, and, it, and it's just releasing energy constantly. And the star will consume the last bit of its hydrogen, and then it'll switch to stockpiles of helium, uh, and then eventually it'll go to... 
silicon or carbon in the case of our sun say. sorry in the case of our sun yes sorry in the case of our sun because it's actually a lot smaller it kind of obeys through different uh different rules so if in in the case of black holes uh, the the much larger stars uh, will go through they'll go through uh, hydrogen helium and then they go th down the the periodic table so to go through silicon aluminum potassium and all the way to iron and then there's no more energy to be produced and you get this implosion because gravity wins hmm. and so all the mass that was once about so about five times the size of our current sun is uh, implodes in what one I suppose can call a singularity. So have anyone seen Star Trek? Is that, am I right? You can correct You're me. You're right, but there's a couple of steps in between okay. before it gets to that singularity. Okay, I've um, gone too quickly. Go ahead. All right, so that uh, that star, right. about five or ten or more solar masses, the masses of the sun, say. Sure. Uh, it'll reach the iron uh, stage where it can't really pr make energy out of uh, uh, playing with iron. Sure. Right? It stops uh, outputting energy to fight your, okay. your gravity pressure, okay, okay. Your gravity force. So it collapses and right. it makes, we'll skip a couple of steps, it, it goes into a supernova, the okay. uh, giant galactic fireworks. The right. really beautiful things that you can actually see today with telescopes. And we've observed those, yeah. All this oh, time. yeah. Right. Uh, they've been observed uh, throughout history. Okay. So in the year 1000 or, uh, what was it, Tycho in the uh, 1600s, notice a star that wasn't there before. Right. Put a telescope and you see, oh, this is actually a supernova. Mm. Okay, cool. So do you see these things and if they're close enough, well, they, they can uh, outshine the sun mm. or out the night becomes day. Right? Right, you could sure. read newspapers outside just by the light of it. Sure. Hmm. Anyway, uh, skipping ahead, yeah. supernova leaves behind a remnant, the okay. core of the star. Right. right. This hot, dense object. In the case of a supermassive star, it'll make a neutron star, which is... Uh, just a big bunch of neutrons tightly packed together. They don't like to be tightly packed together. Okay. Right? But the, through the force of the gravity of something extremely dense on itself, it, it, right. it compacts there. And uh, it spins really fast. Cool. If the star was massive enough, yeah. then there's more mass. And even the uh, how much the neutrons don't like each other is not enough okay. to repel a further collapse. Cool. And that's when the black hole happens. Okay. So, do you have, if you could, like, mentally give our audience uh, the size? So, let's say we're talking in this case, maybe five times the size of the sun. How, how much does it shrink? Okay. Well, I'll give you an idea of size. Yeah. Um, if you were to take the Earth and you wanted to make a black hole out of it, okay. All you would need to do is compact it, collapse it. I right? take the same amount of mass and shrink it to a smaller volume. Okay. There's a formula, and it, it shows that the size would have to be the size of a tennis ball. Huh. Cool. So you have to try and fit all of the weight of the Earth. Of the Earth. You've got into the, the whole size world <laughs> in your... No? Nothing? Mid no, it's <laughs> that was good. It in was a good tennis one. ball. Was it going in there? The okay. Hand, you got the okay. Yeah, if you had done it to a tennis ball, yeah, if you let you go I there. <laughs> um, but just imagine trying to fit all of the Earth all of the everything, all of the weight of the earth in the size of a tennis ball. Mm. And that'll have consequences um, to do with uh, the gravitational pull mm. um, because you have the same mass, but you have it in a much smaller radius. Right. And that'll um, that'll affect how much it's pulling. Yeah, the density it. is going to be a lot higher. Much, yeah. The volume is smaller. So gravity is crazy at that point. So gravity is, is kind of nuts it's at that point. Be, and, yeah. and that is where black holes arise from so the mm. so the gravity is so great that even light 
traveling at its speed can escape it. And so it looks black. Exactly. That's why it looks absent of light. Okay. Now, to be more (laughs) technical, uh, there's also the fact that it curves light coming from other sources. So you might not even see a black spot. You might just see a double or triple image of what's behind. So things like uh, Einstein's cross, which aren't necessarily from a black hole, is an an effect of light curving around the what's massive What's object. Einstein's cross? I'm not, oh. I'm not familiar with this. Okay, really? anyone yeah. look this up on Google? Throw it's it's one of the beautiful proofs that uh, Einstein was right. You okay. know, a hundred years later after his theory, sure. we, we start seeing these things now that we have technology. Okay. So we've got an image of um, a cross in space, and we call it a uh, Einstein's cross, which is four blue beautiful dots in a cross okay okay and they are the they are essentially the same object behind another massive object huh picture uh you're you're standing in front of your friend and then you put an apple between you all right okay you will see the head of your friend up uh below up left and right of that apple as an if as a Consequence of light curving around that. Oh, apple. I see. Okay. That is creepy. I like so it. We'll, we'll see if we can find a good. Thing yeah, we will we'll put Twitter. this on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's pretty famous. Einstein's cross, and there's other examples where we see this. Is it a pr- sorry? By cross, it's is like a plus sign or a cross. It's a plus okay, sign. Okay, it's a plus yeah, sign. But okay. but more like a cross. One of them is a little bit. It lower. Wants them, oh, yeah, okay, it's cool. not perfectly in the center. Ah, yeah, okay. it's okay. not just a uh, Einstein's plus sign. It doesn't sound as good. Einstein's plus. Einstein's plus. Okay. Uh, so there are also uh, there are black holes. Right. Uh, there's also white holes. White holes. White holes, which are okay. the exact opposite of a black mm-hmm. hole, and it's completely theoretical. Okay. Um, Einstein did say that these did exist, and so far the equations say that it is it, possible. It could, but, I suppose. But we haven't really observed them either. Okay. Um, but white holes, instead of taking in the light, taking in the particles, they're completely they're shooting. You know, out. They're shooting them out. Uh, and this is a little bit dicey uh, just because it uh, the law of thermodynamics says that you need to increase net entropy so increase the chaos okay but this decreases it so it's one of these things that's theoretical and and Einstein he he did have a couple of 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 equations that are able to explain it but really it's not not we haven't seen it yet and it it's one of these things that I just thought was interesting that there was a white hole as well okay yeah, so on the on the kind of the the theme of potential observations, uh, wormholes. I don't know if you ever heard of them. They are, or they're proposed to be these kinds of uh, these portals uh, into time travel. I've obviously you if you if you're a Star Trek fan or any other. Well, there should be no other fan, just Star Trek fans. Um, <laughs> quiet, quiet. Uh, um, you can't see this, but Sebastian has given us the big. Uh, V-shaped. The V-shaped. Uh, quite. <laughs> Pronounced. Um, so, yeah. So, a, a wormhole, I'm, I'm going to give my basic understanding of it, and then you can correct me when I'm wrong, uh, Francis, is essentially the fabric of space uh, at two points kind of being folded onto one another, in a sense. So, imagine, uh, I know it's hard to, to conceptualize because we think of space as space, but it is, like we were saying before, uh, fabric. And so let's say we were to take that trampoline example and or maybe two trampoline examples where there is a, a warping of fabric that those two points would come together, but you're actually traveling much further than just 
the distance between those two points. So that's why, in a sense, you're you're kind of we're giving off the impression that you're time traveling or you're you're going through space traveling. Space like a, traveling, a right? Shortcut to a, a, a shortcut through large, vast masses of space, so but without really going that far. You're kind of taking. Yeah, a it's a portal. It's a shortcut. Yeah. So it's kind of like jumping on one trampoline and then like traveling and, and jumping on another one and you're a completely different country. Somehow. Uh, yeah, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, you're just like yeah. jumping and then you like move two meters and all of a sudden you've gone from Canada to China. Yeah. Actually, I'd like to jump in just because I was in Australia. So let's say there's a trampoline just outside the studio. Okay. And you're jumping on it. Right. right? And you just had a pizza clock so you're extremely <laughs> yes, heavy. Yes, the pizza clock is coming back. <laughs> so you're really heavy and you're creating this massive dip, right? In the the fabric of that trampoline. Okay. So massive in fact that it it pulls down all the way to the center of the earth. Amazing. Okay. Hmm. Now, Let's I'll do the same thing, but Australia. I'll eat uh well, pick a food. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's go with pasta. We'll go Italian. <laughs> okay, okay. I was gonna say like okay, bowl of grapefruit. No, go ahead. Yeah. Okay, or or something uh, kangaroo based. Whatever. Okay. Oh, okay. I so it, yes. Okay, I mean, they, sorry, they eat kangaroo. Say a meat pie. All right. That's a kind meat of pie. That's what they okay. Um, and I'm on another trampoline. Right. Directly opposite of you. Amazing. And it kind of works out. Canada and Australia, they're not far from the diametrical opposites. Right. right? China. And I create Australia. a dip, okay. and it's also super big, and it goes all the way to the center of the earth. Right. Well. The the wormhole might be uh, when those two uh, when our feet connect Touch. through oh. that dip okay. those those uh, funnel shapes connect okay that creates a tunnel from Australia to Canada you could travel cool. quicker than if you had to go all the way around, around the circumference right That's and I think this is a good spot to start talking about the movie Interstellar I mean, because oh. so now we have yeah we have all the the basic knowledge. Let's yeah. let's try and let's start bombarding Francis with okay. questions. So I guess the first question, since we're on wormholes, is they traveled a really far distance through a wormhole. Correct. Um, so we said that wormholes are a little bit theoretical, but what kind of evidence do we have that that could happen? Very little. Uh, we uh, <laughs> I'd say the theory goes um, quite in the other direction. So okay. uh, the theory on uh, wormholes is that they. They are a consequence of general relativity. They theoretically exist. They could, but they might be very small, and okay. they might come in and out of existi existence really quickly. Okay. Uh, uh, too fast in for for travel across them to be uh, any practical uh, do means we, of transportation. Do we do we have any uh, hypotheses as to how they even form? So I mean, black holes. We 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 have a theory. We kind of understand. Obviously, we're talking about the supernovas and the gravity and blah 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 blah. How would a wormhole form? Do we have any ideas well, at all? Well, like we said, you know, uh, pizza clock and, and some pasta across two different areas. Uh, massive black holes forming in two different regions. Okay. And the funnel shapes uh, connecting. Okay. In the, uh, so is, in it the a, is it an dimension. actual connection of black holes? Yeah, of the, of the singularities of black holes Whoa. touching. The problem is um, it's extremely unstable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And according to theory, as soon as you try and pass even... Photons, light, uh, let alone a spaceship through yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. It it seems to not like it, and it closes. And and oh. Bob is your uncle. You're dead. Not <laughs> only that, I would imagine they're really hard to predict to predict where they're going to be. Oh, well, where they are. Right? You know, yeah. You like, just yeah. There's no way of going. Okay, I'm gonna travel to this far off land. Yeah. Let me just jump on the uh, yeah the wormhole highway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so that was one thing that I f I feel like they tried to 
However, in the movie, they they seem to to imply that it was a a manufactured wormhole. Right. And, okay. and we do have some um, funky theories on how that could that could uh, be done. Okay. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, it relies on uh, material that doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> it's called exotic matter. So Ooh. we've been ta- talking about gravity here and uh, saying that. Uh, it's an attraction between masses. Okay. Exotic matter would uh, would be the opposite. It would repel mass. Okay. 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 Kind of like two electrons repel each other, or, or two positive charges, or know, a bad date, or a bad. Nice. Exotic matter would uh, repel, right? So if a lot of exotic matter inside the wormhole, it could keep the tunnel from collapsing. Okay. All right. So how but how do you create that wormhole from a distance? Because we were talking about two wormholes colliding and forming, but obviously the distances between those wormholes would be crazy far. Yeah, two uh, galaxies apart. Sure, exactly. So if you were to fabricate such a wormhole, you would need to create two independent black holes to connect to form that. How do you form black hole B? I mean, A is in front of you. B should be on the other side of the galaxy. How do you do that? I no pressure. Go ahead. Okay, I think you <laughs> maybe you got me. Okay, um, I'm not sure. Yeah. That's a really good question. And we got How do you create a black hole in the first place? And keep in mind, uh, in that movie, one of the premises is humans later in the future, right, uh, have found a way to uh, manipulate gravity, right? Okay. So they send right. signals through gravitational waves, cool. yeah. and and they uh, they seem to built this tesseract in, in four or five oh dimensions yeah, the with time. They cool. they've they're able to do things that maybe we can't conceive at the moment. Okay, cool. Okay. That's um, yeah. That's a good answer. I like that. That's okay. a great <laughs> answer. Uh the other one that kinda screwed me up is is uh this is kind of a spoiler. I'll admit that okay. right now. So if you to have be not fair, seen the movie, you should you should be listening <laughs> to this. <laughs> yeah. Some people haven't. Okay. Um is is the whole concept of time travel. Right. Um and time dilation. So there's it okay. happens in a couple portions of the movie. Okay. Uh at the very end of the movie uh they go into some sort of dimension where you can manipulate time and okay. you find out that it's actually um, the main character is giving uh, giving news to right, his daughter. Yes, he's kind of going in back past. in time. Yeah, transmitting yeah. information. Yeah, um, And that kind of made me start wondering about uh, dimensions because okay. they kind of vaguely go into like this is the fifth dimension and somehow. And I know that in physics there are uh, various amounts. There's like a, a number of, of dimensions that they say there are. Depending on the theory that you're following, sure, or that you're comfortable with. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so I'm comfortable with one. Okay. So I guess the first thing is uh, is time travel uh, possible? And okay, if and what does that even mean? And if it's not possible, mm-hmm. um, why why they need a fifth dimension? I think is kind of the the, the okay. question that I had because I I didn't really understand that. Right. Okay. So the how? Do, yeah. So All is right. it possible to go back in time, or is it? Well, yeah. Explain it to sure. us. What could I'm happen? I'm going to reframe the question a little bit, but I okay. will touch <laughs> on the topic. Sure. Okay. Great. Um, here's a little story. So my first uh, month in Australia, I meet my supervisor, who is a uh, an expert in general relativity and gravitational waves, uh, Dr. David Blair, and. Uh, Shout out. Uh, what, what? <laughs> what, what? <laughs> <laughs> and we're, we're talking about uh, general relativity, uh, talking about the speed of light. And in the discussion, we get to a point where we talk about how you could see dinosaurs, All right, how you could time travel. You go okay. back in time. And, and what it is, is if you could 
use a spaceship to go faster than the speed of light outwards and okay. look back on the Earth with a right. ridiculously super powerful telescope, mm-hmm. okay. you could see early versions of the Earth because sure. the light leaving the Earth, yep. well, you're going faster than the light leaving the Earth. Right. So okay. as far back as you go, you, you, you're going back in time in okay. that way. So but, but the event has happened. Happened, yep. So you're, you're looking you c- at it. So you can visualize the yes. past, but in you can't way, modify yeah. it. And, and of course, you can't go faster than the speed of light and nothing right, will okay, be powerful right. enough to... Right. So it's kind of like how we can see supernova activity, but mm. ha- that has already passed. And it's mm. because it's further than, uh, than light has, Anything has passed. Anything you look at in mm. the sky is the past. Absolutely. Yeah, so, it's, so it's kind of the same thing, word, except word, for you've yeah. just gone way farther. Yeah. Um, and, Every and time you look at a star, it it is millions and millions of years old. So you're, mm. you've got your your special telescope into the past. Just look up. Yeah, <laughs> if you could get to uh, a location which is much farther than light has traveled in that time, right? You could go and check out dinosaurs. Cool. But you couldn't affect the past. But you couldn't. By that you logic. couldn't. No, you no. couldn't. Okay. Uh, and that's so that's where that movie plays with uh, another concept. Okay. And that is, um, hmm, you need five dimensions to be able to move around in that time dimension, the fourth dimension. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Oh, yeah, it makes perfect <laughs> sense. Oh, I, I, hey, I got it. You got it? I, I got, got it. it. Yeah. it. It's equivalent to an ant uh, moving on a table, all right? Okay. According to the ant, it's pretty much on a flat table, and that's the end of the universe. That's, I mean, that's the entirety of the universe. It's a flat, two-dimensional space. It's only l- you looking up from above that can, you know, move the table up and down, play with that third dimension okay. that the ant's not even aware of. Okay. Right, so you expand that to, okay, we think the world is a three-dimensional universe. Right. We're actually in four dimensions. We just can't see it. You got to add time. Okay. And if you go to a higher dimension, then all of a sudden that becomes... That time becomes... A coordinate that or, or a, a dimension that you can play with. Okay. And that's that's what the Tesseract is, the, the, build, the, the thing they built. At the center of the black hole. Okay. Okay. So basically, the concept is is um, you have to go one dimension out. You have to t- basically take yourself out of whatever dimensions you're in to mm-hmm. be able to manipulate it. No so problem. That's why they need a fifth dimension to be able to explain that. Okay. Um, I guess yeah. No. It's like as you were explaining about uh, playing with the ant. You have to be outside of the ant's world to be able to play with it mm-hmm. and play with their their. Um, now, cool. with respect to playing with it, so. Um, he was sending information to someone in the past, right? To his daughter. Yeah. Uh, the so way to do yeah. that was through uh, gravity or gravitational waves, and mm-hmm. they, they are. That's kind of a new topic in in uh, in science. Where we're uh, building these. Uh, well, they're built already. These extremely expensive, super large laser interferometers. Uh, in a uh, in America, in in India, in. Uh, they want to build one in Australia. The they're detectors for okay. these gravitational waves that okay. are. Well, what's a g- what's a gravitational wave? Okay, yeah. good question. Yeah. So let's go back to the cannonball or the uh, yeah cannonball on a trampoline. Sure. Right. If you uh, if you throw the cannonball on a trampoline, yeah, Kay. it's going to create this uh this uh, dip, distortion. Right? This yep. Yeah. This warp. But it might bob up and down. All right. Okay. If you um. If you have two black holes or two cannonballs on a fabric uh, okay. on the trampoline, right? yeah, all right, and they orbit each other, say, okay, they turn, okay. There's an oscillation. There's an oscillation, right. and, and it's it's much like a, a stone in a, in a pond. It creates ripples on that fabric, okay, the space-time fabric, okay. Those ripples, gravitational waves. Cool. Okay. So is it? Yeah, no, it's right. theoretical. Like uh, we. 
they're we really think they exist but uh, unfortunately in the 50 years that uh, we've built those machines and been listening to them okay. uh, nothing so far so what is the machine recording the so uh, it's got a laser right you said it's a laser it's a laser interferometer okay. right okay so what is that what do, i don't know what that is all right yeah, so imagine an l-shaped okay okay uh the idea is that the gravitational waves as they pass uh as they get to the earth they will have a different uh, impact on one of the arms, on one of the sides of the L, than on the other. One will actually be stretched, and the other will be uh, compacted, uh, shortened, 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 shortened. Uh, whatever, yeah. <laughs> squeezed, all right, squeezed yeah. and, and elongated. Sure. And that oscillates; it, it goes opposite. And what okay. is that L made of? Sorry, what uh, what do we basically? Uh, super strong laser and two very expensive mirrors at the ends. Okay, so there's a stretching of of light of. Uh, of the space between. Oh, okay. I got it. I got it. It warps space. It warps space yeah. time, and the what laser's detecting that stretching. The laser, or is, uh, the laser interferometer right. is uh, hopefully um, precise enough to measure the, the that small, small distance change. A very, very small distance change. Hmm. Okay, cool. Ridiculously, um, in fact, it's the most precise uh, thing in the experiment world. in the world, and okay. it's not doing. Well, so f so far, right? Don't yeah. tell that to whoever's paying for it. I know, right? Um, uh, so the, I guess the other point in uh, in kind of time dilation yeah. is uh, talking about how when he's traveling, right? Uh, when they're when they're pl on the on the planet, yeah. Uh, and, what planet was, was it called again? Miller's planet. So Miller's planet. So the, one yeah, of the astronauts so would have been called Miller. Uh, uh, okay, <coughs> right. So every every hour on that planet was a year. Seven years. Sorry, seven years. Sorry, uh, back on Earth. Mm -hmm. uh, how is that? How okay. is that possible? Well, we talked about time dilation due to, say, uh, I'm reading the Game of Thrones book on a spaceship going really, really fast. Right. That's that's a special relativity. All right. Okay. General relativity um, has a similar effect, but due to gravity. Okay, so that was the satellite example. Yeah, the satellite example is because on Earth, your clock on your watch uh, will run slower than up above, further away from the Earth, okay. at a lower gravity point, okay. uh, where it's going to run faster. Right. right, And so that's one of the effects of general relativity. On Miller's planet, you're you're sitting awfully close to a supermassive black hole. Oh yeah, so we should actually yeah we should explain what is actually going on in that scene. Okay, uh, go ahead. I mean, just give because people I remember seeing it, but I don't actually remember the, the fact that that planet was so close to a black okay. hole and so set the scene fine they've just went through uh, a wormhole that was near uh, Saturn okay okay back in our galaxy and in fact our solar system cool they get to uh, another galaxy and they look at a supermassive black hole Gargantua which is <laughs> amazing name. a Great name. giant giant black hole Gargantua. about the size of the orbit of the earth so cool. if, if it was in our solar system just imagine our Sun swells up uh, close, very close to where we are on Earth, right? Yeah. So it's looming Big. in our night sky. It's ridiculous. Cool. Yeah. Okay, so they see this black hole and they see a planet up right there, just like Earth, uh, very close to that black hole, and they see other planets uh, in the distance, and they decide they're going to go check out Miller's planet. Okay. Uh, but they're, they're aware, okay, there's general relativity, there's time dilation. Um, they, they need to factor in uh, how much time it's going to cost for people back on Earth. Cool. Uh, and um, the way it works is the stronger the gravity, uh, the slower time goes. In okay. fact, near the black hole at the uh, at the edge of a black hole, time stops altogether. Cool. 
right complete stop so it's actually um, more so based on the distance uh, the planet's distance from a black hole and the size of the black hole that dictates time mm -hmm. yeah right? no that's exactly it so yeah. closer to the black hole the gravity is felt stronger like the gravity is stronger mm -hmm. the slope of that space-time is is larger okay. yeah so that's why um, one hour which feels like an hour or two hours or three hours mm -hmm. uh, on that planet it feels it feels just normal right but when you get back up oh a lot <laughs> more time has gone by and the guy waiting in a spaceship is 27 years 23 years older and right so on and so forth so you need yeah. to stay away from black holes if you want to come back and see your relatives still alive and so on and, so and okay. um and so okay so the force of that gravity uh was then that affecting the the tidal wave that we saw in that movie yes yes yeah, so, well, so what was that tidal wave okay exactly well or was it a wave or what i don't know what it well it's definitely a wave okay. but it's uh, something called a, a bore uh a tidal bore tidal right? bore uh let's let's take it step by step yeah that's a bit this, of a yeah. complicated thing so take your time so close to a black hole that yeah. size yeah the uh, miller's planet which is filled with water um would experience something called tidal locking really quickly. What is tidal locking? Just look at the moon. The fact that we see the face, the same face of the moon, the whole time. Right. That's tidal locking. Eventually, okay. uh, initially, the moon would have been spinning on itself, but through uh, coupling with the Earth gravity, mm -hmm. it eventually uh, became tidally locked. Cool. Right. And eventually, if you fast forward billions of years later, the Earth will become tidally locked as well to the moon, and will be sort of looking so at we each won't other be always. So we won't be rotating anymore. You will be, uh, you'll see the moon always or never, right? Depending on okay. where you are on the sure. planet. Okay, huh. yeah. yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. So that's interesting. It's, really it's cool. a coupling. Gargantua and Miller's planet, within a millisecond, because of the gravity of uh, okay. the, super, the supermassive black hole, that planet became tidally locked with uh, the black hole. Okay. Right? So it's not a tidal wave. It's not uh, high tides and low tides because it's just not spinning. Right. What it is doing, however, is uh, slight oscillations back and forth. Uh, so imagine a football, all right? Okay. One point of the football is aimed at the black hole and the other point is aimed uh, backwards. Okay. And now uh, the, the football is just slightly oscillating back and forth. Okay. So the water stays always pointed at the gargantua, but the solid parts of that planet move in and out of that giant wave. That's so cool. So it's it's a planetary remix is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's it's scratching. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so the water in itself is not moving. Everything else is. Yeah, right. And it's moving back and forth. So that wave they were seeing uh, is literally moving. I, I think it was every hour yep. it would pass by left and right, mm -hmm. left and right. Cool. Actually, so I have one last question on science. Yep. Uh, it was it was a question that innately came to me and others when I started talking about us doing this podcast. Is what would happen if someone jumped into a black hole? Okay. Uh, well, could you do it? Could you survive? Could you? I, you could definitely jump into <laughs> a black hole. You could do it, but should you do it? What would happen? Okay. Um. A very fun word for what would happen, in fact. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm so excited. It's, it's called... Is it Greek? Hold on. <laughs> it's not Greek. Oh. It's actually Italian. Okay. It's spaghettification. <laughs> spaghettification. <laughs> I've heard of this word. You've heard of this word, huh? Okay. Yeah. It's been coined. That's the word they use, right? Or the noodle effect. The noodle. Right? <laughs> spaghettification is so way better. So spaghettification, <laughs> yeah. All right. So you mentioned... Uh, you talked about gravity at the beginning and, and how it's um, it's a function of 
the masses and the distance between those masses. Right. Okay. On Earth, not a big difference between the gravity at your feet and your head when mm. you're standing up. Okay. There is a theoretical difference, though. Right. Okay. Around the black hole, when you're in, you're falling towards the black hole, near the black hole, depending on the black hole, uh, the difference in gravity at your feet and your head, the difference at the uh, the pull is different. Yeah, the strain. Will feel a lot like a nice, comfortable stretch oh at okay. first. You know, your head's being pulled up and your feet are being pulled down. All right? <laughs> so it's a nice little stretch at first. Right. And also your shoulders are, you know, being hugged okay. inwards, right? Right, because there's, there's a focal point. So yeah, yeah, It's all kind of yeah, squishing. Yeah, okay, mm. go on. Hard without a, a board, but yes, yeah, yeah, you said it. You said it. There's yeah. a focal point, so... We're, you're all you're attracted to the center of the black hole, so right. are your shoulders, so they're it's being like pushed triangles. Yeah, yeah, triangle. As you get closer, that that force becomes strong enough that it becomes really uncomfortable, <laughs> and you eventually split at the waist, and then you split into four, you split into eight, until you're a nice neat string of uh, stream of uh, little molecules cool. fa uh, falling into the black holes, and hence the uh, spaghettification. You become this spaghetti noodle. Huh. And you, you right. go back to your DNA cell, right? So and odd. an odd, uh, yeah, but um, stronger if the black hole is actually smaller. And it has That's to do with the, the radius of the black hole. So if it's a supermassive, oh, one, I see, I see what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, I think. Yeah. So I guess that uh, that pretty much that sums up our, our interstellar. I show. think. Yeah, I think uh, we've covered a pretty large basis there. Yeah. Most questions. I want to give a big thank you for coming out here. Francis. Francis. It's a pleasure. You are a miracle. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, we found a physicist. No, I'm serious. You're a miracle. You're a physicist who can explain things to us. Yeah. <laughs> we, we didn't think we would find one of you. No, we really didn't. Well, I'm touched by the pizza clock, you know. I think thank this, you. this could be something, you know. It you took make me a, hours to think of that up. Like yeah. a pizza shop or a movie or something. Yeah. You appreciate it. No one else will. So a big thank you to Francis. A big thank you to CHUO for letting thank us you use our so lovely much. facilities. Yeah. Uh, and you can follow us. You can find us. Uh, we do have a Twitter. On, on the Facebook? On, and uh, the No, we don't have the Facebook. We don't we have, have the Twitter. Oh, uh, the Twitter's even better. Uh, so you can find us at, at curiosity underscore pod. Okay. Uh, we're going to try and put up a couple pictures of the Einstein's cross. Yeah. Uh, maybe some black holes. Maybe a sp spaghettification. Uh, pizza clock. Spaghetti no, clock. we're just going to put spaghetti on there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and for those people that are not so cool and don't have Twitter, we do have uh, Gmail as well. Right. So it's curiosity.pod at gmail.com. Send us your comments, thoughts, ideas. A ideas, because yeah. we now have a physicist. Yeah. Uh, and if you maybe you know, if you have uh, questions on, on Interstellar, maybe we can get Francis back at some point and answer your questions. Who knows? We and, can try. And mm -hmm. you know, we, we try our best to, to get everything right, but sometimes we get it wrong. Yeah. Uh, and you can troll us. Yeah, is what I'm saying. Just follow us and troll us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So thanks a lot Thank and so uh, have a lovely day. Ciao.